Hello there, and welcome to On Life with Jamie Sinclair, episode 13. It's been a while. I could say more, but let's just move on to jump to interesting content. So I've been exploring the idea of doing some uh, dialogues with people on air rather than just monologues interacting with submitted questions, which by the way, I have some great submitted questions from you guys. Thank you very much. I will get to those maybe next week. I have some extra stuff going on in my life right now, so I'm just not able to get to the podcast as regularly. But this morning, I had the privilege of doing a video chat with Ethan Hackett, a friend of mine in the Rochester, New York area. He is a great thinker, a good communicator, a good friend. I really enjoy talking to him. We don't talk that often, but when we do, once in a while, I always love it. Uh, so I reached out to him. This is the first time I've tried to record a video chat. Uh, the audio starts a touch, uh, a a touch loud. I, I tweak it a little bit. I think it should be uh, easy to listen to though, and I hope you can get uh, engaged with the content and ideas. I found the conversation stimulating and interesting and encouraging, so hopefully it is the same for you, and maybe I'll run some more of these in the future. FYI, if you are interested, I did make a video version of this, and so if you just go to jamiesinclair.com, I'll have a link on there to that. Without further ado, conversation with Ethan Hackett. Well, good morning. Yo, thanks morning. for taking a minute to uh, to chat. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I'll have to be honest. I, I feel a little bit inadequate. Uh, yeah. You know, a little bit intimidated. Uh, you know, I always enjoy talking with you, uh, but to have it recorded and then released into the internet for the annals of time to, you know, come back and haunt me, uh, you know, is uh, fascinating and terrifying. Yeah. So I know happy. exactly what you mean. <laughs> we'll just have fun and roll with it. But uh, totally. yeah, no, this is the first time I've tried this via video chat. We'll see how it rolls. But thanks for taking a few minutes to do this. I enjoy talking to you. And I think a lot of people enjoy hearing a conversation with you. So Boom, win and win. So, uh, so hey, we, we did, uh, we, we text a little bit leading up to this and you'd mentioned yeah. recently thinking about a children's fairy tale and some, how it might apply to this moment today. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, you know, I, first of all, I just, I, I love analogies and I love fairy tales and I love fiction. And I think that they, they do something to us where they circumvent our self-defenses. And we have these intellectual barriers of things that we hold on to to be so true. Uh, and when we start reading fairy tales or any 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 analogy, it, it starts to circumvent that self-defense and you kind of get caught off guard. Uh, and it allows for deeper truths or things to permeate your mind, I, I think, and then hopefully mature and grow into some 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 deeper thoughts that challenge maybe ideas that you had before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so recently, with everything that is happening in the United States and the world at large, uh, I, I was reminded of the story of Hans Christian Andersen wrote uh, The Emperor's New Clothes. And uh, I had a general idea of what the, you know, the story was about, but I, I honestly hadn't read it. Uh, so I ordered a copy offline uh, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's a good time. You know, it's a kid's book. I'll read it to the kids. Um, and, and every kid should know probably this, this story. It's, it's, you know, lighthearted. Yeah. Uh, 
And after reading it, I, I like turned to my wife, Colleen, and I, man, Colleen, I was like, this is insanity. Uh, this, you know, this, this author from the 1800s is writing this story that literally could be written today and, and yeah. just blows my mind. Um, huh. and, and for those who, that don't know, you, the, the premise of the story is that these two thieves go to this really vain king and they tell, tell him, hey, we will make you this fantastic garment. Uh, but no one, no one will be able to see it if they're not qualified or if they're dumb. <laughs> and uh, and the king is like, well, I'm not either of those, but I want to look the best. So uh, they start working on this thing and uh, this clothing for him. And uh, he's like, well, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be revealed that I'm dumb or inadequate for my role. So let me first send somebody who I think I trust. So he first sends a minister, uh, yeah. and he's like, surely if anyone knows. The minister, the most most ethical and trustworthy person in my kingdom, he's going to go and 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 see it and come back and report honestly. <laughs> and uh, so the minister goes and he he shows up. He's like, "Shoot, I don't know, right. I don't see it, but I don't want to let on that I'm inadequate for my job, and you know I don't want people to think I'm dumb. So yeah, I, I'm going to pretend that I see it. And so you know he sees it and then comes back and and. The, the king is, you know, excited and thrilled, and uh, he's like, "Well, I just want to be double sure." So he sends one of his uh, um, generals, uh, and and they go look at it, and same exact thing. General's like, "Well, I don't want to be thought of as inadequate or dumb, so I must see it." And the minister saw it, so I'm gonna play along, and this starts this whole ball, you know, ball rolling right. of this delusion that really pings off of, I think, our desire um, and our vanity. Uh, to not want to appear as if we don't know something and um, and to not uh, not f- like appear fit for our roles or uh, or even fit for society right in general um, and I think so much of that ties into a lot of the situations in our lives today but it, I think it gets magnified specifically within social media um, yeah I think that's a huge a huge aspect where everyone needs to have an opinion and if you're silent then you're condoning the other side. Uh, and so you have to have an opinion. You have to come out and make a statement. You have to do these things. Otherwise, people are going to think you're dumb and they're going to think you're unqualified for your position. Sure. Uh, and you may just want a little bit more information or you may want to rely on some temperance and um, and think things over and and not be as confident and say something that you you later regret. I don't know. It's just fascinating. Yeah, no, the uh, when when the minister sent and then the, the court officer, the, the general sent, Mm-hmm. the it it plays on this insecurity that I, I i think we all can identify with at some level of is it called imposter syndrome when yeah. when you feel like you're you're kind of in a role like if people really knew who i was mm-hmm. if people really knew and you, you know you even get that a little bit in like you know middle school and high school just trying to fit in with your your friends you know all that weird social nonsense (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah but then it happens later in life you're like maybe you're in college and you're in some sort of like honors program or you're president of a club and there's kind of the sense of like yeah of course because i'm amazing and simultaneously Mm -hmm. there's this Am I like my whole life is just like a, a facade I'm holding together? I think we all can feel that a little bit, uh, if we're honest. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's common enough. There's a name for it. I'm pretty. Is it imposter syndrome? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So in, in, in imposter syndrome. Um, there's also uh, something called the Dunning Kruger effect, which is 
I don't know that it's one. Oh, that sounds similar. technical. You know, very technical. Very, yeah, I'm very smart. Believe me. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> I'm very qualified and not dumb. Oh, that's uh, brilliant. So the, the Dunning-Kruger effect is essentially it's this first little hill and then a, a, a line up at the end, a little graph. And as you enter into any topic, when you first start learning about it, you okay. your confidence in that topic goes way up you're like you know oh i i'm the master at this you're like you just delved into this a month ago and yes. you've read a bunch of articles and listened to some podcasts and you are you just know everything and then as you start getting into a little bit more you you start coming into this valley of despair which is where you realize that the this topic and things that are tangential to it are massive and right. you start to wonder if you know anything so you hit this pit of despair and then you you come out gradually in this infinitely long slope goes <laughs> yes. higher and that's an expert uh and uh i think that's so true it's so absolutely true i'm so guilty of it too i'm not going to sit here and point fingers at anyone that's um well it's part know. of what's fun about learning a new thing is absolutely. there's that that rapid uh like just that that the initial rate of learning or uptake it's kind of exciting you're like dude I didn't even know about this a month ago. And now I like feel like I got it all figured out. It's kind right, of fun. Absolutely. And then like your eyes are opened. And that kind of that's like all of life too, right? Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. here I am. Uh, just <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday I was chatting with a with a local uh, uh the assemblyman for our district and uh, a, a few other friends. And one of them is uh, a, a tremendously learned and experienced individual. Um, who's now retired and, and later in life. But as he's talking with this young guy, he's probably like my age. I've never looked up Mark Walzik's age. But uh, here he is. He's down in Albany, first term. And just talking to him and like realizing, dude, New York State government is complicated. And, and so this yeah. this tremendously learned fellow later in life who's who's been in New York for decades was just like, wow, like, you know, there's a lot to wrap your mind around here. And, and you've done a great job figuring this out. But he's kind of um, a moment of humility, recognizing I just don't know that much about this. And I was thinking, I love learning. I consider myself pretty smart. Here I am in my mid 30s. And I feel like I'm perpetually like, just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's so <laughs> frustrating. Uh, life was a lot easier when I was like, 17 i had it all yeah. figured out yeah yeah and i think uh, my wife and i talk about this sometimes where when you're when you're young you get this this naive attitude where you're like but we're going to be the ones that fix it we're right. going to solve it and all these old people they're just jaded and they have given up and they're not even trying anymore uh and and it's 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 just not true you know right. i think part of that is the, the temperance of of wisdom that comes with experience where so many older people or elders really have have learned a ton of really hard lessons yeah um and and you'll understand one day uh and and as a parent this is very true when um you know when we started having kids and we had our, our first child Maeve um we thought we were crushing it we were you know because Maeve was just an excellent listener we could reason with her she'd pick up after herself uh, she slept great. Uh, all the things that parents struggle with. That's right? amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so we were just like, this thing is not so hard. And we <laughs> what are people talking everything. about? Yeah. yeah. We're like at the beginning of that Dunning-Kruger thing. And we're like, they say that it's so hard. And uh, I don't know. We just 
trained our child right. And, uh, and then Edwin came along, just broke all that. And uh, so all of a sudden, you know, we're in the pit of despair with a child that, you know, literally wakes up every hour until four in the morning, all every night. And we're going insane from sleep deprivation. And we're like, what did we do wrong? Uh, and so just life experiences, I think, humble yeah. you to the reality of how inadequate you are. <laughs> and, and that's healthy. Um, right. Yeah. Now, uh, getting back to the story, because I think oh, it was yeah. a powerful yeah, yeah. story. And you know, yeah. I I read this story when I was young, and I kind mm. of assumed I was reading an abridged version, but the real thing's mm. pretty brief. It is. Yeah, okay, yeah. so maybe I actually read uh, Anderson's piece in full. Um, yeah, I think so. Now, the t- two things. F- firstly, have you heard Jordan Peterson talk at all about the, s- the power of narrative? Uh, I'm not totally sure. I've heard some of okay. his stuff, so I'm, I may, may not have. Most of his stuff is... Uh, he's really sharp. He definitely yeah. is a bit circuitous in his communication. So I have a hard time listening to him because uh, like you'll ask him a simple question and he'll go on like a two hour lecture, which uh, generally speaking, I find entirely unnecessary. That said, he does make a point and I would say his communication style emphasizes it. Uh, mm. Human beings Um, certainly you can present some information in a very uh, straightforward, uh, like didactical, like bullet by bullet, you know, precept upon precept Mm -hmm. way. And that works and we can comprehend that. But there is something powerful about an illustration or a story or some sort of analog that that doesn't just like make sense. It does make Mm -hmm. sense, but it like... like it it can help bring revelation you know what i'm saying and yeah. uh and so there is something powerful powerful about a story like the emperor's new groove and that you could say hey we all have a tendency in our pride in our insecurity like mm-hmm. to to pretend to to fake to try to appear like we've got it together and we know uh you can say that but there's something really powerful about this story. And I, I was adjusting some audio levels earlier. Did you get to the reveal of the story? Like, Oh, so the, the, the ch- there's a child who yeah. then, you know, as the king is marching through town, fuck naked. Uh, right, and, yeah. And my kids love that part because they, they have little butt cheeks <laughs> hanging out. Uh, you know, so he's, and this little kid turns to one of the adults and is like, he's not wearing any clothes. They have, they have nothing to lose by just calling it out. And right. the first... And they're like, you're right. He doesn't have any clothes. I'm not insane. I'm not crazy. Right. And then so then everyone starts waking up and the king marches out of town, you know, in, in his embarrassment. Uh, yep. and, yeah. And and I do think and, and like and there's a valid point here. Uh, I would say generally speaking, uh, it, young adults make they fall prey to an error of assuming they've got it all figured out. And, and previous generations are just like I don't know, dumb or closed mind or whatever. But but there are moments when maybe there's been something in the status quo, maybe for mm-hmm. decades or even centuries, and it kind of takes somebody coming along who's like, dude, like what's happening here, and and so that yeah. that there might be something to that at times. Um, mm-hmm. But but it is really important to walk with tremendous humility. 
Um, so, so the insecurity that the minister experiences, that the general or, or court officer experiences, that then really at some level that the emperor himself experiences and, and many experience, uh, that would cause them to go along with such a charade. Like, okay, in, in real life, how do we not succumb to an insecurity like that and allow it to lead us into just totally obnoxious idiocy? Uh, well, I know everything, so I've got an answer to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, my hope is that it has some to do with grace um, for one another and a generosity uh, where people can admit that they don't know something and not be expelled from relationship and not be mm. expelled from authority and stuff. You know, I, we both have listened to the same pastor, Greg Boyd, uh, but one of my favorite things about Greg Boyd as a pastor, he's a pastor in Woodland Hills, Michigan, um, is this the established pastor who's written numerous books and leads this huge congregation and lots of pod parishioners right. gets up on stage in front of everyone and starts talking. He's like, but you know, I don't really know. I have no idea. I, <laughs> you know, I thought I knew the answer to this. And after, you know, plunging the depths of scripture and looking at science and looking at that, I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I love that I'm part of a church where I can say that and, and, and not be labeled a heretic because I think we, we expect our authorities to literally know everything and not have any faults. And as soon mm. as we see a fault, we're like, that person over there, they're unfit. I found an unfit, invalid, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And, but none of us want that. None of us want anyone to do that to us. And so uh, I think that to the same measure that we judge others, we're going to get judged. And hopefully, right. my hope so like is that like a culture of speech. graciousness. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, which I feel like we're literally in the opposite of that uh within social media but i but i feel and my hope is that the pendulum swings back uh and yeah. i uh, part of me looks back at like american history and i think well is that what self-governing is the self-governing really the attitude of you know what we experience what it's like to have a whole bunch of people have control and point out you can't do that you you're invalid you're not you can't govern yourself you can't do this this and this and a bunch of people are like you know what we're leaving this system. We're going yeah. to a system where I can kind of do my stuff. You do your stuff, but we trust and recognize each other enough and, and we'll take care of each other when, when we need it. Um, but, but it's going to be messy. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. That's good. Yeah. No, the, <clears throat> when you, when you get a sense and it's, it's, it's a justified sense in our culture today that you're going to be crucified <laughs> the, the moment you say like, there are no clues here. Uh, yeah, you're pretty unlikely to to share what you're saying. Um, yeah, and, and I feel like that that definitely exists. I agree, hundred um, percent. There's that external kind of pressure to to just go along. Uh, there's also, I feel like it's it's uh, extrinsically encouraged, but there's something internal in like a almost an idolatry of intellectualism. Mm -hmm. At least mm -hmm. I've experienced that at times. Um, I, I love knowing and, and learning and that can, that can lead to feigning some sort of answer or understanding or like, I, I don't know, like, and obviously 
obviously knowledge is is good <laughs> like i yeah. i think we we want to be in a culture that esteems uh, understanding and like quality education mm-hmm. maybe not our mm-hmm. education but quality education like like those are good things but it's so yeah. easy for good things to become idols in our lives and mm-hmm. to become things that uh i don't know I, I i have thought about that before like how do you encourage good things like learning and understanding without holding it up to be some sort of false idol to chase and to mm-hmm. to feign mm-hmm. achievement i yeah. don't know those are like weird these difficult tensions in life have you heard i can't remember if we've talked about this before have you heard andy stanley's tension to manage idea Mm-mm. okay so uh he's a pastor in like the atlanta area um not sure i'd recommend his preaching but i do enjoy his leadership <laughs> podcast and sure. he, he's a great thinker and and one of yeah. the things he, he talked about years ago and it's like stuck with me it was, it was so poignant and helpful like i think about this weekly at least he said some things in life are problems to solve mm. but some things are tensions to manage mm-hmm. for example if if you got an 8 a.m job and you're showing up to work 10 minutes late every day it's a problem to solve. Like set your alarm earlier or figure out like what's in the way. Like, right. That's yeah, just a problem to solve. Yeah. But if you're thinking, Hmm, it's important to have some like close friends who really know us and we're investing in, but it's also important to have space to be hospitable with the alien, with the, with the new coworker, mm-hmm. with the, the new neighbor down the street. Like, should you have a hundred friends or three friends? And it's like, there's not a right answer. This isn't a problem to solve. There, there's somehow this tension. And, and there are seasons where maybe you're like, you know what? We're going to really guard and invest in some key relationships. And there are other seasons where it's like, every week, we're going to have like a new rando in, in, and just like have dinner like with somebody new. Right. And right. it's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. And, and I, I see that similarly with we want to promote... Uh, understanding and awareness and good thinking and problem solving and uh, recognizing that ideas matter and have consequences and like prizing uh, those who who work hard and and arrive at like good understanding giving them platforms to speak and you know listening to their podcasts or inviting them to give talks like that's good but without like but like what the tension is as you do that you can so easily be creating an idol. Absolutely. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe if I if I say it another way, let me know if this is what you're kind of talking about. I feel like there is a tension between, say, living generously and giving away money and then saving money so that you are prepared for a terrible situation and exactly. can take care of your family and can provide and you don't end up on the street with no house and... Um, you know, and so those are those are intention. Now, it would be unrealistic, I think, to say, well, let's solve both. Let's just create a world where everyone has money and everyone has everything that they need. And then simultaneously, you don't have like you have all the stuff you need for worst case scenarios. Like, let's just solve both of those and then problem solved. Like, you don't have to live in tension <laughs> anymore. Easy peasy. Um, right. You know, Jesus said, like, you're going to have the poor with you always doesn't mean we don't strive to solve it doesn't or not solve but improve the lives of one another and and, and live generously um yeah. but those are intention and so you have to solve that and and that looks different i think for both people and in, even in that you can 
you can fall into the trap of of sin or doing it incorrectly. Um, if you are giving too generously and carelessly and recklessly, then you can also be doing that for image reasons. And then on the other side, you could be saving and following um, what's his name, the financial, you know, Dave Ramsey, uh, Dave Ramsey, and you've yeah. got envelopes for everything, and you're sitting there judging all of your friends for uh, not having, you know, six <laughs> seven months of uh, livable emergency funds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, it's um, it, it's like I feel like that that is kind of to me how I yeah. You know, no, exactly. That. There's that tension in First Timothy five eight. Uh, Paul says that you know if somebody doesn't care for members of their own household, they're even worse mm-hmm. than an unbeliever. Like there's that. There's a responsibility. Like you're a husband, you're a dad. Um, you need to, you need to have some savings. You need to think through like how am I going to pay the mortgage next month or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like those are things you need to carry. Yeah. But there's also this call to a radical generosity and thinking beyond yourself and your family and it's not yeah it's not a problem to solve it's a tension to to really ask god for wisdom in every season um yeah have you ever wondered why there are tons of tensions like this in life yeah yeah and and we see them borne out on the pages of scripture why doesn't god just give us like the formula like why doesn't he give us the the Shoot it, shoot you an email when you put your faith in Jesus and ta-da, here's how to do it. <laughs> have you thought about um, that? I've never, no, I don't know that I have. Um, I have. I've been like, God, just email me. <laughs> <laughs> just give me the, uh, yeah, while you're at it, could you please include the manual for raising children that you left exactly. out? Both of those would be really helpful right now. Yeah. Um, yeah um, I mean, what? what good would it do if he did, right? It's almost like um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when um, he's like, what's the meaning of the universe? Uh, and I forget what number it is. 42. But 42, <laughs> I right? I think, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, re- I don't remember. Uh, uh, and the, he's like, well, this is useless. He's like, well, it's the answer, <laughs> right? That's so and funny. So, I mean, who's to say that he hasn't? Right. Who, who's to say that, um, you know, he's made truth self-evident and, um, and it's there and the rocks cry out for his glory, right? Like it's, is it, is it actually not a God problem? And maybe it's an us problem. Mm. Uh, and what's up, <laughs> uh, but well, I don't want to admit that, right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Could, could you, but if, if, you know, God, could you do it in a way that I would then understand it? Right. It's like, well, you don't have long enough to live to understand it. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> Still working within the confines of my limitations. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, that's a heavy one. It is. Maybe we can explore it some other time in another conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, going, uh, what? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, going back maybe to the to the learning and and why you do it and it not becoming a problem. Uh, it reminds me of when I first started doing web design and development. I was working in the basement of this other company, uh, and they basically freelanced my friend and I out at really silly rates because we were dumb and naive uh and and learning so it was a great experience for for everyone involved yeah. uh and uh, we were given a, a project and i'd done a couple smaller projects and my friend that just graduated like from college first job doing web development stuff and he was panicking and the owner of this business who's a seasoned designer developer uh calls us into his office and he could tell that we were a bit stressed out and he's he goes guys i'm gonna tell you a secret Every day, 
I wake up and I, ho- I hope that no one figures out that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking, hang on, like you've been doing this for decades. How come you're telling us this? Shouldn't you know this stuff? It's almost like somebody saying, hey, like oh, we, I know the emperor doesn't have any clothes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to let you in on this little secret. And uh, <laughs> he's like, but, but our job is not to know how to do everything. Our job is to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're going to accept the job. And then we're going to figure it out. And that might be doing it ourselves. That might be getting into a pinch where we need to hire another person to then come in and bring that expertise that we didn't know we needed. Um, but we can do it. We can figure it out. And we can't let the fear of not knowing intimidate us from taking that project on. Right. Uh, and that, that kind of blew my mind, first of all. Um, but I think it goes back to why do you want to know? What, what is the desire? Uh, I think you can want to understand something because it just brings you joy to learn about it. You find it fascinating. I think that's super, super healthy. Uh, but you could also be trying to understand it so that you don't look dumb. <laughs> and that's that's vanity. That's pride, right? Right. Um, and uh, so there are a bit different motivators. And for each person, that line exists probably in a different place. And so I can't, who am I to judge you for coming, being vain? Um, and that's a, that's a question you have to answer for yourself. Um, right. Yeah. Like that's one of those tricky ones. Kind of like, uh, maybe, maybe you're totally comfortable at going to the movies and drop in 30 bucks to watch a film and buy some popcorn. And then you see somebody else spend like 30 grand on a week trip to, I don't know, like the Maldives. And you're like, how vain and wasteful. And it's like, uh, No, that is a lot of money, but uh, like there, there is like, where's the line exactly? And it, it comes to all sorts of stuff, like your motive for doing things and it's tricky. And, and there does need to be a tremendous amount of um, being open and honest with ourselves before the Lord and yeah. ca- that graciousness that says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge everybody to, to um, live righteously and, and like, honestly and in a way that's like generous but be careful not to assume we understand the exact motives and i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah that getting back to that culture which is like one of the first ideas you mentioned of of graciousness now i want to talk for a moment about conversations themselves a bit of a meta conversation yeah because i found that the way i have conversations has changed over the years partly Mm. as i've learned more like I remember back to when I was like 18 19 20 I feel like I enjoy learning uh, do you like learning oh yeah, yeah. I love learning like and, and it was actually yeah but but like I, I love learning and and they're they're part of what was exciting was I felt like every conversation I had when I was that age I was like learning and coming up with like new ideas and uh, th- there was like a, a lot of room also to be like, I don't totally know yet. And that was fine. Um, but fast forward 10 or 15 years and th- the reality is, although certainly there are things I do not know, many things. In-, in fact, I'm probably aware of more things I don't know. Like the stuff I encounter every day, generally speaking, you know, the classical, like what about free will and determinism whatever like those conversations you have like a bajillion times when you're 19 and now i'm like uh, <laughs> this again <laughs> do you know what right, i mean like right. yeah, it, yeah. there's like 
the, the reality is I have learned, I have thought about things. A lot of these conversations and ideas I've considered before. And it's like, it, I don't know, like it, the conversations just feel different now. And I, I, I both want to try to like retain the, the, the excitement and energy of like, this is the first time I've had a conversation, but not pretend almost the, the reverse. So, so meaning, yeah. I think often we're pretending we know things we don't know, mm-hmm. but sometimes I feel myself now almost <clears throat> pretending I don't know something I, I kind of feel like I have figured out. Like, I, have you ever mm. felt like that scenario? Like either you're like, I'm just out or I have to pretend like this is the first time I'm having this conversation. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Have you ever thought about this? Well, I mean, as a parent every day. Uh, Valid, (laughs) valid. I I I don't have children. (laughs) uh, uh, Literally, uh, that can, I I know where this conversation is going and I've already got to the conclusion. I already know my answer. But if I just jump straight to, no, you can't have ice cream before dinner or something like that, right? Or no, you can't have gum for the hundredth time today. And we've had this conversation. (laughs) um, I can explain it to you. We can have this conversation all over again. And we will, because I need to have grace for where that person's at, right? And to them, this is the most important thing in their life right now is gum. And uh, and then they want gum, and this is their seventh piece, like, and it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, and so I think we, it would be so selfish to say, you know what, you're not worth my time, because you're not where right. I'm at. Um, even though, and we... we I don't know. I, it, maybe it ties back into generosity. And sorry if that came across harsh. Uh, no, that's good. That's you know, good. Um, and so sometimes I think if it, we don't, and this is maybe as a Christian, we we don't exist for ourselves alone. Yeah. And, Amen. Um, and so there is a degree of sacrificing, just like we do with our minds or with our money, we do with our minds and with our time and with our attention and our patience. And there are tons of things I'd rather do right now. Uh, you know, instead of answering this question again with the kids, but at the same time, we're in a relationship, and uh, and so there's give and take in that, and there's a patience and a, a season of okay, I'm gonna just answer this question, let you explain it again, and pay attention because there's some value in that beyond the answer of the question. Um, and when you take a step back to acknowledge that more is happening on more levels than the words that are being exchanged, right? I think that maybe helps a little bit. Dude, that's um, awesome. You articulated that really well. I like that. Thanks, thanks. I nice. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, I hadn't even really thought about like how often that would apply in a parenting context. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. It's okay. Hard as, it's so hard as an individual not to be transformed by being a parent. Um, and it reveals so much of yourself and so much of those around you that I think some people get tired of somebody beating over the head like oh, we get it you have kids and they dictate so much <laughs> of your life uh but the reality is they shape so much of who you are i think right. better um that you can't help but explain things through s- stories with your kids yeah uh, or fairy tales right it's just so simple and when you remove the context you're like oh, we're just a bunch of grown-up kids we're just bigger kids uh and maybe going back to your point i think one of your points earlier uh you talk about being in middle school and having that feeling being maybe so visceral um, right. And um, I think the reality is we are just bigger kids that have gotten way better at suppressing 
those insecurities and then shifting them to the subconscious parts of our mind where we are unaware of them. And so we will go about our daily lives with coworkers and friends and people on Facebook operating as if we're not this insecure middle school child. But when we take a step back, if we're like, why am I so viscerally upset by this post? And the reality is that person said something in a way that it sounds like they're saying I'm dumb and they right. might be. And the reality is I kind of am and <laughs> I don't like that. And so, uh, you know, uh, I think we're just a bunch of big kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. A and like, yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the, there's a lot of room, let's speaking specifically of social media to, mm, I think justifiably read into people's remarks because sometimes people mm. are insinuating or implying something. And uh, I've tried to learn, I don't know if I always do it well, mm. to kind of address what they're getting at, but not respond emotionally. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. hey, I think, I'm not sure if you're implying this. Let me just correct the record. I actually had one of those just this past week on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The, uh, yeah. We can only do so much to accommodate for shortcomings of one another and ourselves. Right? I can't expect somebody to perfectly accommodate my emotional state when I'm emotional um, right. and, and vice versa. Um, but I, I think there is, we are learning more some of the nuances on how to properly have those conversations and some of the pitfalls and uh, some some people's solutions are just avoid conflict altogether on social media and I'm, I'm not going to engage anyone with intellectual conversations sometimes it's how how can we do that well um, I don't think there's any clear answer yet and te the technology is so new it's you know yeah. it's been around for what not even I've been on Twitter 12 13 years maybe um, so it's pretty new, uh, <laughs> yeah. if you think about it and we're, we're adapting as a society, but one of the practices that I think has, I've adapted and I think is not, it helps. It's not anywhere. Uh, just, I wouldn't say it's successful because again, you can't manage other people, but for me to help emotionally be in a good, healthy spot, I do my best to, when I am phrasing hypothetical situations, I do my best to refrain from this you or they or them. And yeah. I try to always go back and recorrect my messages to say us and we and me and like, that's a good idea. Try to be inclusive of the thing I'm saying, because if I can't say it about myself and the group that I belong in, I probably shouldn't be saying it about another group. Um, or it puts me in a, a point where I will say something a little bit more in like with lacking sensitivity because it's just them. It's this nebulous other, other people. Um, right. And so whenever we talk about a situation on social media, I think we ought to um, handle it in a way that shows that we are all part of that same group and it doesn't feel accusatory, you know, finger pointing uh, and hopefully that person, uh, you know, feels invited into that with me. Um, That's yeah. good. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, we didn't talk like approximately how many minutes do you have remaining here? Oh, I, I have until nine. So I'm sweet. Yeah, right. Um, the, some of what you just said, like, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> one of the things that, that I just thought about there was you mentioned the we and the us. And I think there's a tremendous yeah. wisdom in that. And I think I, I do that occasionally, but I do find it hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
but I think I find it hard. So there's this phenomenon where I, at some level, uh, especially when it comes to like political and cultural movements, I feel a little bit homeless. It, mm. the, the thing is, I suspect a lot of people feel homeless. Yeah, I would agree. And, and is there like, is that almost a bit of a, a manifestation of, is that like me being a little self-centered and myopic or short-sighted, close-minded to think like somehow I'm different from all these things out there? Or is it possible that the, the, the movements and groups that somehow achieve prominence really don't reflect or represent well a massive number of people it's probably some of both but like because as you mentioned this mm. I, I was thinking of just recently and I, I tried to do a little bit of like the hey on the right and the left but at some level I actually don't feel like I belong to either of these groups that much uh, yeah. like I feel homeless but I also recognize that feeling of homelessness could be a bit self-centeredness like somehow I'm unique and special <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> like yeah do you feel at home in a, like a major cultural or political movement? I mean, and a, if not, is it because you're selfish or because they just don't represent you well? <laughs> oh, first of all, I'm selfish. I, yeah, like, there's no, to frame this in uh, an extreme way. Let's just yeah. check that box right off. Okay. Um, as far as feeling like I belong, as an Enneagram type nine, nine I, I don't belong anywhere. Uh, okay. And, uh, so that's, that's been a struggle, I think, probably far longer than I, I realized. But... Um, you know, I think it's probably a two-prong issue. One is that we we generalize and we group and compartmentalize and, and we have to um, operate in that sense because if we were to try and think about all of the ways that we compartmentalize and we were trying to think of all of those elements in their singularity, in their uniqueness, we right. wouldn't be able to function. We wouldn't be able to get out of bed. You're like, well, which floorboards do I step on? You know, right. This, you can't think about everything in the board? universe with nuance. Yeah. Right. You just kind of have to sum it all up together. And you're like, it's the floor. Okay. I'm going to walk on the floor. <laughs> like, it, Generally speaking, I think this, our floors in our house are all pretty good. I don't have to worry about falling through them. So I'm just going to generalize floors in general and say that I think most floors, unless something is alarming, are probably safe to walk on. Uh, right. and, and so then you just check out floors from your mind and you never think about floors again until you walk into a building where you see a hole in the floor and you're like, whoa, hang on, <laughs> sure. I, should, I should question this floor. Uh, and so in order to just function, I think we shift so many things into this space of generalizations. And so uh, we do that with the clothing people wear, uh, their hairstyles, the music they're listening to, uh, the political leaning, whatever logos on their bumper sticker, um, you name it. And then we also... I think operate in that ourselves to try to present ourselves as a particular group so that we can like sneak through people's subconsciouses and get associated with those groups. So I right. think really like those are two huge aspects that happen. And if we're not cognizant that we're doing those things, we can become, we can generalize people that should not be, you know, generalized or groups or whatever. Right. So it's so easy or tempting to say well there's a right and the left well the reality is 
That's so silly. How could you have, it's like as if there's two poles to any idea, you know what I mean? Right. It, it, it's a circle. You know, there's there's all kinds of things around the circumference. No, it's a sphere. It's an infinite amount of directions of personalities and perspectives. And you're like, okay, so there's really no right and left. And that's just an easy way for us to generalize other groups of people because we don't want to dive into the details. Yep, pretty much. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, and so no one, no one actually belongs, but everyone belongs. Um, and so I think you have to start from the, what are the things that we have in common? And yeah. when you start uncovering those, I think you're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought you were on the left, but you're, you're kind of libertarian and I'm kind of libertarian and right. I kind of like that. Um, but I don't know how you got to that being so leftish, like it perplexes me. And so now I have to find a new category for you. And that takes energy and work and, um, and I hope that you do the same for me right backwards. Um, yeah. And, and so this that can happen online, but there is something tremendously powerful about seeing somebody, hearing somebody, feeling their presence that helps establish some of those bonds. And it's so easy yeah. in, the, in the, the tech space, in the social media space to just uh, broad brush and, and mischaracterize. Yeah. I find social media to be a powerful tool. I kind of uh, bounce back and forth between thinking, hey, this is a great way to, to consider ideas and engage people and think through things and learn. And then like, I'm out, I'm gone. There was actually this a period of maybe like three years where I just like unfollowed everyone on Facebook and didn't post a thing. How have you wrestled with that? Do you feel like settled? Do you feel like you're still trying to figure things out? Like what's got? I solved it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Amen. Please tell no. all. It's uh, it, maybe it's one of those tension things, right? Maybe mm. it, it, it's going to fall in that space of it doesn't, it can't be solved. Um, right. And we have to find attention. Um, and uh, I go through the same thing. I get tired of seeing certain things. And so I'll mute people. And then I'm like, am I in an echo chamber? Right. Um, maybe I should invite some more diverse, you know, perspectives in that I totally vehemently disagree with, uh, so that I can widen my perspective and understanding of other people. Um, and so I oscillate back and forth, and then I go, this is it. I'm done. I'm out. We need to take time away from it. And then I go, well, you know, sometimes letting bad ideas perpetuate is how we make things worse. And if somebody had just said something maybe we wouldn't have gone down that path as a society if just one person come out and said, the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. Yes. And so you're like, I gotta be that kid. Yeah. Right. And so, so like, I kind of want to point the lack of clothes out when the emperor doesn't have any, uh, cause no, it doesn't help anyone to believe that, that lie. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I oscillate back and forth and I think maybe it comes down to being self-aware of where you are in that. Are you becoming emotionally volatile? maybe you should take some time off. Are you, right. um, you know, triggered by so many things? Yeah, maybe you should get off. Is it giving, inciting fear in you? Maybe you should take a break um, or use it less. Um, did you learn something valuable that you think humankind society could, you know, become better for and you want to share it and invite people into something that, that you're learning about? Like, yeah, share it. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's so tricky. It's so tricky. That's some good stuff though, yeah. Hey, uh, I'm going to start winding this towards a close. I want to, to conclude sure. with a couple of questions for you. Uh, yeah. One is really simple. 
Is there like a, a, a thinker or a podcast or some sort of group that you might recommend people check out? Uh, yeah, just try, <laughs> uh, try to narrow it. I mean, there might be like a bajillion things, but what, what's something yeah. you'd recommend for people to consider after this? You know, I, I do like the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, and I would caution anyone that listens to that, that he has a spectrum of all kinds of people and, and you're going to get all kinds of, of topics. So maybe not ideal for tiny ears. Um, but I, I think that he does a pretty decent job just being curious about people. And so yeah. I like listening to him uh, uncover people and their identity and what they believe. I think that's a good way to get a breadth of, of spectrums of people. Um, and um, then on maybe on the more of the, the right wing side of things, if there is such a thing, um, you know, Dave Rubin, I think, is, a, is an interesting... Um, interviewer who was formally identified with being very on the left um, and then had this kind of red pill moment where he started waking up to some things that were way more complex and yeah. the other side wasn't the monster that he thought and now he's a bit more you know, like, have you seen his Larry Elder interview and that's the one that's yeah in, you know so in his book uh, don't burn this book he talks about that and he's sitting there and and essentially what Larry Elder does is just shows him that his emperor has no clothes and he's like so give me some facts for that back that up where are you getting that data tell me that person. and dave is like i did have no idea and yeah. uh, so he's like in the book he's like i'm sweating bullets i'm panicking i have no idea that i believe these things to be true just because but that's what our group talks about and says that it's true yeah and every group is just to be clear every group is does that right. in some group think is just a like, yeah 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 and so um and so at that moment, he's like, I need to actually look into this topic before I have an opinion that is, you know, in the ground as, uh, as the one that I have. Uh, and then that began to he just began to explore things and came out kind of on the other side. But I think he does a good job um, interviewing maybe people who are typically more on the right, but can kind of represent some of the left because that's where he grew up. He's like, well, this is how I thought about it back then. Like, how would you right. say it to this person? So I think it's a good, he can be a good bridge and mo to moderate some of that. Um, so those are probably like the, the two that I enjoy listening to. I like it. Now, uh, I haven't, I actually like, so Joe Rogan, I listen to once in a while. I, I'm choosy. He does a, he produces a lot of content, both yeah, in yeah. terms of number of episodes and length. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, some of his yeah. episodes are like three and a half hours long. <laughs> it's amazing. But I was he has- and, and Colleen's like, oh, you like came back two days later. I was like, wait, why is that still up on your screen? I'm like, I'm still listening to it. It's good. Oh, it's hot. And yeah. I like it, but this is a three-dayer. <laughs> now, what's fun, though, is I, I do feel like he has such a diverse audience, and I'm able to pick mm -hmm. and choose. And so I'll probably only listen to like three or four episodes a month, but it's still oh, yeah, a ton same. of content. It's great. And uh, yeah, yeah. He, he is such... For, like what is he he was like a comedian slash mma fighter and yeah. like he's interested in so many things and and he gives yeah. great pushback asks amazing questions uh i would say like the one sphere where i always get totally lost is when he's talking about like mushrooms and stuff and i'm like i, I have no clue <laughs> um but he is a really interesting guy and yeah. and dave rubin i listened to like fastidiously for a bit and then he got super into like i just felt like every interview was about facebook and google mm. 
it, has he kind of moved on-ish? Like, I am, by the way, concerned about Facebook and Google. I'm just not interested yeah. in thinking about it every day. <laughs> uh, I mean, right now, it's it's very political because okay. of the state of moving True. towards elections. So, um, right, probably a lot of race stuff, consume... et cetera. Yep, exactly, yep. yeah. So, um, so I should check him out again. Social. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, okay, one final question. When I look at when I look at America today, there's a lot that concerns me. I think justifiably mm-hmm. so. Uh, I am curious as you look out, as you interact with people, is there something in the American landscape that gives you hope? And, and I specify American landscape, so you, know, you don't give like the uh, true but easy answer of like Jesus is coming back one day. But I mean, like the American context, is there anything that gives you hope? Yeah, I. I think that deep down, most people genuinely care for their neighbor. And that care comes from that they have compassion towards them. They want the best for them. And I, th- I think that they also want to have that, this autonomy to do what they think is best and still do that in a way and, and, and live in that tension. And everyone wants that, that space. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that the way that comes across online is it loses so much gets lost in the translation. So when we take a step back from social media, and we talk to people face to face and we have coffee. Uh, I think that we tend to realize that and wake up a bit more and we're like, OK, maybe maybe it's not that like that side or of the other group is not as crazy as I thought. Um, and so my hope is that that underlying attitude that everyone has germinating in their hearts of the American self-governing, um, but care, uh, yeah. is, is still there and just kind of needs to be brushed off and then reconsidered in the light of not social media and not craziness. And, um, so I hope that's still there. Uh, you know, I, you know, so there are things that we just take for granted that I think are like, sometimes when I'm looking out, it, there's so much that's discouraging that I forget mm-hmm. how much, uh, how many positive things there are that I take for granted. For example, 100%. you know, I know people that live right in the middle of town that don't even like, they literally don't have locks on their doors. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, uh, there, there, there is a tremendous amount of, um, respect and care for other individuals, uh, frequently when I'm driving, I think about the fact that every car I pass, I'm six feet from death. And I'm like, hey, most people know how to drive and aren't trying to yeah. kill me. Like, sweet. Like, I realize that I'm a really low bar, but sometimes when I look out, I'm yeah. like, it feels like the bar's that low. And I'm like, wait, wait, no. Most people are actually, mm, you know, certainly we're all broken and we sin, but there is a a common humanity and most people, you know, they love their family members. They're not trying to hurt their neighbors. There, there, there's something to work with here. I don't, again, I feel like the, that bar is really low, but we, we're clearing it. We're clearing it, and that that's positive to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I also think we talked about groupthink briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are concerning trends in America, but mobs are fickle. Groupthink can change, and and so I am. I I think if you feel like everybody is like knowingly heading in this direction because they really everybody in there wants it like that's concerning but i'm not sure i'm like hey you know things could look really different in 10 or 15 years um so i don't know gives me some hope uh even though this moment looks rough 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, sweet. You want to take the final thought and then we'll wrap things up? Anything. Yeah. Anything. I mean, I think one thing that I would just ask for anyone listening is that when you realize that you're trying to maintain a facade, like around me, don't worry about it. Like, you know, I would rather you be honest and transparent and hopefully I will take that and, and respect it and trust it. Um, and, and, um, and that that would work two ways that like we can have a society where we can be flawed and, and not know things and, uh, and, and admit the emperor has no clothes sometimes, uh, even in ourselves. And so I think my invitation would be for people to, to try that, uh, and maybe go out on, on the limb and admit that sometimes. And, uh, that can be a really powerful olive branch of reconciliation. I think to one another is just like, Hey, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Let's get together and not pretend, uh, and there's a, there's a lot of good, I think, that, that can come from that. 